0: Now, actually, what I've done, I flopped my messages for today. Um, As I prepared them, I was going to preach out of um, the Sermon on the Mount again in the morning. And then tonight, I was going to um, preach what I preached this morning. But last night, I just sensed that the Lord wanted me to preach differently. Same messages, just wanted to preach the Bible message this morning. In the Sermon on the Mount tonight. So take your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter seven. I never I, you, I, the Bible is full of of wonderful things and great truths. And when you begin to dig around and uncover things, you really you really begin to find out what the Bible says. I'll just tell you right now most of you are not doing this because you're here but if you're a Christian and all you ever do is come to church say once a week and read your bible on a haphazardly basis at home you're not going to grow you're not going to grow you're not going to be strong because you're not going to have the revealed word of god working in your life and in, in doing the things that it's supposed to do. do. I hope that if you got anything this morning from the message is that the Bible that we read is not a book. It's not a book. The words of God are contained, I was going to say, are contained on on pages of paper bound between covers of leather, but not anymore. Some, some of them are contained in digital format. I mean, we've got the Word of God and it's contained in a way that we can read it. But these words are truly, truly the living, breathed Word of God. They are alive. And it, it's like, okay, I like TV shows or movies. I like movies that my wife doesn't like. I like movies that contain guns and explosions and rocket ships and aliens. I know. I know. I like alien movies. Sorry, Renee. I do. I like alien movies. And I was watching this little alien uh, TV show uh, a couple months back. And, and what happens is uh, the human beings, they get taken over by the aliens. And it's not some kind of mind meld or spiritual thing, and they infest their body by the alien force. What happens is, They take this little living bug that crawls into their eyeball, goes into their brain and takes over. And what happens is the living bug actually begins to consume the human being over a period of time. My wife is giving me faces like gross, gross, gross. And after a period of time this bug that crawled into the eyeball that takes over the brain actually begins to restructure the outside. I know this is the dumbest thing to ever watch. But it restructures the outside of the human body. So as the humans were fighting these aliens, what they found out wa- was that the aliens that they were fighting were actually human beings that were taking, taken over by these alien things. What happened was something that was alive got inside of them And took over the human body. Folks, that will be God's word. Do you understand? God's word gets inside of you and it takes over you. Romans 12, Renee. What does that mean? Verse 2. Be not conformed to this world. Don't be like the world around you. Don't be like the lost people around you in philosophy. The way you think, the way you live, the way you act. But be like Christ. And the way you become like Christ is you renovate your mind. Your mind gets changed. And your mind changes how your life lives. Well, how do you change the mind? By the word of God. Do you get it? So, so I know that's a really weird kind of illustration. But the word of God is alive. And if you allow that word of God inside of you, it will take over you. It will change how you live and how you look at things. It will change how we do everything because the Bible is alive. The problem is, like I said this morning, we don't read it, we don't believe it, we don't obey it, we don't apply it, we don't live it, and it begins with the simple act of taking it in by reading the Word of God, okay? That's how you change. So, let's get into Matthew chapter 7. Let's take part in this time of really what's happening is God's taking the word and putting it into us to change us. We're here to worship God. We sang. We're here to fellowship. We'll have after church tonight, we have a bunch of leftover food. We'll bring it up here. We got tons of food. You don't have to do anything for dinner tonight. Um, Stephen went and got some drinks, right? Okay. So, we have drinks, food. Great time tonight. We'll fellowship. So we'll have what we've had worship. We've fellowship later tonight. Tonight, right now, now we eat. Now we the Word of God. We take it in so that it can take over us. Take your Bibles, Matthew chapter 7. Last Sunday morning, we 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 looked at a really tough set of scriptures, actually. I had several emails and a few comments after church last week and during the week uh, that said, Pastor, Thank you for that message last week, but that's hard. Not, you know, judging and how to judge and the way you should judge and, you know, basically making sure the sin sin is out of your life before you go chasing down sin in other people's lives. So it wasn't so much about, you know, judging others, but it was about making sure that you're right with God and living in a way that God can use you to help other Christians to grow and walk strongly in faith, right? Right? Because we're not out as believers in Christ to judge others say, you know what, you know what, Jacob, I don't like, and you need to change this, and I'm a good Christian. That's not what it's about. It's about a humble man or woman of God seeing things in other people of God and and prayerfully going to them after examining their own selves and saying, "Uh, can I help you? Can I share something with you? I see something in your life. Man, we ought to never let another brother and sister in Christ ruin their life because of sin if we see it and we know something about it. I don't want to offend them. Well, you know what? It might be better to take the chance to offend a brother in love than to let them destroy their life going on the way that they're going in sin. Okay? Amen? Hey, folk, if you see me doing something wrong, you better say something to me. You may be... In Indiana, that preacher of that church of 20,000 people, maybe 10 years ago, if someone had said something to him or or said, hey, look, I see something not right in your life, uh, Pastor, Can, can we pray together? Can we sort this out? Can we help you? And if someone had done that, maybe he wouldn't be in prison for the next 12 years of his life. Okay? So let's do what Scripture says. Last week, What we read was Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Let's look at it again. Saying, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in your brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in your own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Now remember, the Sermon on the Mount is really talking about righteous living. It is talking about living a holy life as a follower of Christ not having outward righteousness, but having inward righteousness from Christ that causes you and I to live outwardly righteous. Do you follow me? Being a Christian and li- being a, a godly man is not just simply acting it on the outside, but being a hypocrite on the inside. Being a righteous, holy man is, is living What's inside and allowing it to flow outside. That's what Jesus was trying to say. Pharisees, righteous on the outside, dead on the inside. Tax collectors and adulteresses and 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 prostitutes and all of them people who've come to me in forgiveness, they've been covered in righteousness. And now they can live. They might look rough, they might look unkept, they might have some outward things that scar are scars and signs of their past life, but now they can live a holy, righteous life because it comes from something that emanates from within and not what emanates on the outside. Does that make sense to you? Okay? It's an inward thing. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is talking about what truly being a righteous, saved, born-again believer is. It is suffering persecution for the cause of Christ. It is loving your neighbors, but it is also loving your enemies. It is not, it's not, a sin is not committing adultery if you just go and commit adultery. But if you look on a person to lust after their body, to satisfy mentally your need, that is adultery, right? Okay, Jesus is saying the outward is one thing, but the inward is the most important. So he gives us this chapter on this section on judgment. You know what, it's okay to judge, it's okay to discern other believers' faith and actions, but before you do that, you better get with God, spend some time in prayer, and look at your own life to make sure that you're an able vessel to do that. Then out of nowhere, seemingly, Jesus hits us with verse 7. Okay? Okay? He finishes up in verse 6. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Then all of a sudden, verse 7 hits us. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks a fish, will give him a serpent. If ye then being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father, which is heaven, in heaven, give good gifts to them that ask him? Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Father, bless your word as we've read it. Bless it as it comes into our heart, Lord. And God, help us to get it. Help us to understand what you're saying to us tonight. Help us uh, to have it applied to our life so that we may live as you see saying here in this scripture. Lord, your word is alive. That means it's living. It's efficacious. It's powerful. It's It's penetrating, it's life changing. God, I pray that we do not miss the work of this word into our life tonight. In Christ's name, amen. Jesus has just taught us what it is to be a believer in Christ. It's taking up our cross and following the Lord Jesus. It is surrender and sacrifice and blessing all wrapped up into one faith. It is a personal living relationship with Jesus Christ. It is It is exhibiting a holiness that is from the inside and not simply an outward holiness. It is not being Mr. or Mrs. Spiritual in front of one person and a um, bitter, envying, bat-talking individual to another person. So that's what the Lord's been explaining to us about our faith. But now we get to verse 7 through 12. And what's, what's coming about is that, you know, even though we're to live like that, and we're to live holy, and we're to live in a way that Christ has changed our life, the truth is we still have needs, don't we? Don't we? We still have needs. And especially just after a very difficult teaching on how to judge and not to condemn, Jesus says, if you want to help them, look at yourself first. And then he says, sometimes, you know, you want to help people, but you need to take a step back sometimes because you cannot cast your precious faith and and truths onto people who do not want them or want to receive them. And then immediately afterwards, he hits ask and you'll receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. Now he's talking about prayer. There's no greater need for prayer than when we have to go to somebody and talk to them and and examine our own life and want to be a help to them spiritually. So So the Lord hits us with a thing on prayer. And if you look in the Bible, there's much about prayer in the Bible, is there not? There are examples all over the the word of god about praying through the night getting up early in the morning and praying how to pray praying in the father you know you know praying in the name of christ praying to the father you know honoring him first and praying for our needs and and there's 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 scripture on about um persevering persevering prayer and there's scripture on if 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 you pray in the will of the father he will give you what you've prayed for There's scripture on, hey, maybe sometimes your prayers are not answered because you're praying wrongly. Not with the wrong words, but maybe with the wrong heart. The Bible says sometimes your prayers are not answered in the way you want them because God has a greater purpose and plan for what, what he wants to do in your life. And sometimes your prayers simply do not get answered the way you want them to be answered, right? We all know that because we've all prayed for things and God's done something different. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we simply pray amiss. Sometimes we simply pray for the wrong thing. Sometimes we pray with the wrong motive. Sometimes we pray with the wrong attitude. There is much in the Word of God about prayer. But here, this is another aspect of praying. But it's much deeper than just a position of prayer. It's more about a posture of prayer. A position of prayer is saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's a position. That's a, a way to pray. A posture is that having that sense of prayer in your life all the time. Paul Was it Paul, Rene, that said pray without ceasing? He says pray without ceasing. How do you pray without ceasing? Constantly in your heart and in your mind, you have this attitude that you're just... No matter what you're doing, you're just kind of thinking about things. I mean, constantly, my mind is not very far off from the Lord most of the time. Because most of the time, I'm I'm having to deal with things in my own heart and maybe not dealing with my kids right or maybe not answering Lisa right or, or maybe getting angry at somebody that I should have been more compassionate to. And I'm, I'm saying, Lord, you need to help me. I'm studying. I said, Lord, I need your help. I need your guidance. Yeah, that's kind of like ceasing praying without ceasing you're at work you kind of, lord help me with this help me with that lord help me to be honorable in your name you, you know that's what paul's telling us so that's the posture so so paul what we have here jesus is not so much talking about a position of prayer how to pray as he is talking about a a posture of prayer or a condition of prayerfulness he's also not teaching in this scripture where it says Ask and it shall be given. Ooh, that's pretty cool, Lord. I want a Harley Davidson, no chrome, one speedometer. Amen, Lord. That's what I want. Hey, man, ask and you shall receive. I know what I know. Something Keiss wants right now. We talked about it this afternoon. Don't worry, I won't go. I'll just tell him. Kays is praying for a Ferrari. Not really. (laughs) You should have seen the look on his face when I said, I'll just go ahead and tell you. (laughs) Kais is never coming back to church here again. (laughs) He's going somewhere else. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek. Wow. And you shall find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Man, you got word of faith people all over the world right now saying, see, see what the Bible says. Ask for it, and you'll get it. Seek it. You know, really desire it. And you'll find it. Knock on that door, amen. Knock on that door, Christian. Knock on God's door. And he'll get so tired of you, and he'll just give to you what you want. That's what people are teaching about this scripture. Yes, it's about perseverance. But it's not about about, uh, Jesus teaching. Every time you pray for something, you're going to get everything you pray for. Amen? Amen? Now, Warren Wearsby says... Why did our Lord discuss prayer at this point in his message? He's talking about holiness and righteousness, not hating your brother, not judging folks incorrectly, um, not looking at, not lusting, not, not, there's all the, and all of a sudden, bam, prayer. You know, these verses seem to be an interruption, kind of like a bleep in the middle of something profound, but they're not a bleep. They are very profound in themselves. See, You and I are human and we are fallible. We make mistakes, don't we? Don't we? Only God, going back to the previous first six verses, one through six, only God can judge perfectly. God tells us in this scripture that we are to judge, but we are to be prepared to judge. We are to judge correctly. We are to use discernment. This is why God said pray. Ask, seek and knock. what he's talking about here is specifically praying for wisdom and discernment and direction in our life it says in James chapter 1 verse 5 if any of you lack wisdom let him ask of God you got children to raise you better be asking seeking and knocking you got a life to live before God and before uh, to be a testimony in this world you better be asking seeking and knocking because we cannot do it on our own, and we need the Lord's help. There was a young man who became a king. His father was, was one of the most beloved leaders the nation ever had. He was actually chosen specifically for the task at hand. He was not the, uh, This man's father was not the first king of this nation, but he was specifically chosen to replace the king the first king, because that first king did not honor God with his life and did not obey God. That king's name was Saul. And there was a young man who loved God with his heart as a, as a caretaker of sheep. And, and, he, and he, he was humble and he loved the Lord and he wanted to serve the Lord. And God told Samuel to go to, I think, Jesse's house and, and, and there in that house I will, I will show you who the next king is. And all these brothers came forward. And, and God said, no, that, that's not it. That's not him. And Samuel said to the dad, any more boys? And yeah, I got this little kid down there taking care of sheep, but certainly you wouldn't want him. Samuel said, go get him. And when David walked through the door, Samuel said, man, you are the one. You are the anointed of God. You are the chosen. You are, and eventually we'll find out David was a man after the heart of God. So David was picked as, as, as the second king of Israel, and he was and, and is even now the most uh, uh, regarded king that Israel ever had. You think about the kings of Israel, firstly you think of David. David had several sons, and one of his sons named Solomon took over after David died, and he became king. Young King Solomon knew that he, that he lacked the needed wisdom to judge Israel. He was now becoming the king of Israel, and he needed something that was the most important thing. He needed discernment and wisdom from God. So he prayed, and God answered in a miraculous way his prayer. Look at 1 Kings 3. Just bear with me tonight. This will help you in your faith if you just see the course of the scriptures. 1 Kings 3. Solomon loved the Lord. And walking in the statutes of David, his father, only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. Now this is when Solomon was becoming the king, and, and he was standing before God. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in, in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he's walked before you in truth and in righteousness, in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne, as, as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. Solomon said, I know nothing. I am not capable of this job. I cannot do this thing. I don't know how to go out or come in. And the servant is in the, in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted from multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this so great a people and the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing and God said to him because you have asked this thing and has not asked for thyself long life neither has asked for riches for thyself nor nor for, asked for the life of thine enemies but has but has asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment behold I've done according to your words Now, y'all, you need to remember what's happening here. Solomon asked for wisdom. God answered that prayer and gave him great wisdom. But the father also said, said, I've done according to your words. I've given you wisdom and an understanding heart so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall one rise up. And I've now listen. And I've also given to you that which you have not asked. Isn't that pretty awesome? God says, I've given to you what you have not prayed for, riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. Solomon asked. He sought for wisdom. God gave him wealth. God gave him honor, and if he would continue walking in the ways of, of his dad and, and honoring God, God said, in answer to your prayer that you did not pray for these things, I will give you long life. What we see by, the, by Solomon's life here, and we could look at other places as well, what we see is this, prayer is very important to the believer-savior relationship. What Jesus is teaching in this scripture is not how to get your Harley Davidson or how to get a spouse or how to get money for finances or how to get this or how to get that's not what he's teaching. What Jesus is teaching is about a relationship. See, if you look at verse 7, when you see the words ask, seek, and knock, what do you think? You're thinking... Okay, pray, ask. But when that, that, that's not answered, the structure of the verse goes from, from mild to greater intensity. So ask is like, hey, Lord, can I have? But you don't get it. So the Lord says, well, then seek. Seek is like, all right, press it a little bit harder. All right, Lord, I'm, I'm asking more now. Can, can I have that? Whatever. And then it doesn't come. Then you get to this third word, knock. It has the idea or picture to it of a shut door. And what do you do with a shut door if you want it open? Yeah, You knock on it. And if you're at my house with my kids and the kids are out the front door and you're inside, they start off like this. And if you don't run to get the door, it's like this. And then it's like, right? You know, they keep beating on that door. And that's in our mind, that's kind of what beat the thing. If we don't get what we want, beat the thing down. But what we miss out, because in the English, you're not going to get it unless you go back and look at the Greek and look at the structure of the verbs. What the Lord is saying, ask, seek, and knock, they are are verbs that are in a continuation. So it means this. The Greek is saying, ask but keep on asking. Seek, but keep on seeking. Knock, and keep on knocking. So now what we think is what, okay, if we don't get what we want in the first place, then we just, man, we better get on our knees. Lord, please, and we, so we're thinking our perseverance in prayerfulness is going to bring about what we want. So, Regardless, we think, regardless of what the will of God is, regardless of what the Lord wants to do in our life, we think these verses are teaching, if you pray hard enough, if you pray long enough, if you pray passionately enough, you will get what you want. I know I'm going to probably freak some of you out, but that is not what it's teaching. There is scripture about persevering prayer. You remember that that, um, uh, story I think the Lord gave us when there, there's a couple of houses, tents, and and um, um, this lady comes to the judge, and she, I, guess, I think it's like comes to the judge, and she keeps saying, can you do this for me, can you do this for me, can you do this for me? And the judge says, quit bothering me, quit bothering me, quit bothering me. Do you, under, do you remember the verse in the story? And then the Bible says, be, the, then the judge answers her and gives to her what she requests, and he says, I don't do it because I love you. I don't do it because I I care about you and I want to bless you. I'm doing it because you're bugging me to death. And the Bible says it was for her importunity. In other words, the judge answered her request because of her perseverance. That's teaching us persevering prayer. And beloved, listen to me. There are things in our life we have to persevere on. There are things that you and I pray for... That we've prayed for, and prayed for, and prayed for, and, and, and. And we continue to pray for them. There are things in your life that if they're ever going to get answered, it's going to be partly because of your persevering passion for for what you're praying for. I want my kids to live for God. I pray for them all the time to live for God. I pray for your children to live for God. I pray for you to live for God. Man, I keep praying for that. Most of you, I don't always have things that I pray specifically for, like like certain little different things. But all of you get prayed for just live for God. That's persevering prayer. I'm praying that for you. But that's not the sole purpose of what Jesus is talking about here. So if we are to have spiritual discernment, if we are to have the leading and guidance of God, we must ask, and keep on asking for God to help. We must keep on seeking the will of the Lord in these matters. We must keep on knocking at the doors that the Lord puts in front of us and the opportunities that he gives us to go out in faith. We must keep knocking on those doors that lead to greater ministry even. You know what? Christian life is praying and walking at the same time. You're seeking, you're knocking, you're walking, you're going by faith, but you're not stopped praying. The Christian life is praying and walking at the same time. So is this showing that the only times of uh, th- that only in times of great need or urgency should we pray? No, not at all. I'm not saying that the only times we should ask and keep on asking and seek and keep on seeking and knock and keep on knocking is when we just need wisdom. But what Jesus is teaching us here, and I I wish I could so give you, like, just take the Greek and plunk it into your brain. What he's talking to us about here is relationship. You love God. You love Jesus. You want to be close to him? You know what you're going to do? You're going to keep talking to him. You're going to seek him. And you're going to knock. See, what Jesus is talking about is an abiding relationship, very much like we find in John chapter 15 go there real quick see it's 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 very much mistaken that that and I'm, yes there's a perseverance here but it's not just to get what you want it's a perseverance in relationship John 15 says I am the true vine my father's the husbandman Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Verse 4, listen, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, ex- you, can you except you abide in me. Do you need answers to things? You must abide in Christ. You need answers to prayer in your life. You need discernment. You need leading of your life. You need guidance. You need the Lord to show you things. Ask, keep on. Seek, keep on. Knock, keep on. And the only way we will continue to ask and continue to seek and continue to knock is if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay? See, what Jesus is showing us is that this is about the relationship Not about getting prayers answered. Not about getting stuff in your coffer. But it's about having an abiding relationship. Because you know how I understand this? It's because Jesus gives his own commentary in the next few verses. Jesus says, those who ask, receive. That's what it means. Those who seek, find. And those who knock, it will be opened. You say, Pastor, that's not true because I've asked for things... And I've not gotten what I've asked for. I have perseveringly prayed for things. And God's not given me what I wanted. We've prayed for stuff. Things might seem to be different. We want God to do something. We've prayed about it. We've sought Him. But God in His infinite wisdom and love and mercy and purpose and plan, He might do something differently. True? 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 Sometimes he does, but I can promise you this, that every time we pray, God will answer in some way. Not everything you specifically ask for or seek, you will get, but God will always answer your prayer. Now listen to me, go to to Matthew 7 verse 9. Micah, sit still. Micah, listen. Thank you. Now, hold on to the thoughts. Bear with this for a moment and see where it's going. The answer to the question of how, what's the Lord teaching here, how is this working, is caught up in verses 9 through 11. So verses seven and eight says, "Ask, seek, knock; it'll be, it'll you'll you'll get what you pray for. You know, ask and it'll be given; seek and you'll find; knock and it will be open to you. For everyone, verse eight, that asks receives, and seeks finds, and knocks; it will be open to you. Now, those two verses need to be seen in context with verses nine through eleven. Let's look at them. Jesus says, or what? What what man is there of you, whom if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Here's what Jesus is saying. Our Father, who's holy, knows what we, you and I need. We ask and seek and knock and we pray, but the Father says, I know the good thing that you need. You are asking for this, but I know what is better for your life. I know what is more than what you need. I know and I have the answer. See, all we're supposed to do is be in that relationship. We're to be in that abiding relationship with Christ. We are to be asking and talking and seeking and knocking. But the father says, if, if, if an if a evil earthly dad who's not perfect and holy like God the father knows how to give good gifts to his child, how much more will the father in his wisdom give good, give good gifts to you? Now, the other day, Jacob wanted to buy a video game. He uh, came to Lisa and I, and he asked us, can I go buy a video game? He saved the money. It's his money. Can I buy this video game? It's 30 uh, 30 pounds, quite expensive. And I talked to Lisa, and I said, honey, I, I, I just don't think he should get this game. There's nothing wrong with the game. I just don't think he should get the game. I, I, I think uh, if he holds his money that and waits a few weeks and we go somewhere and do something, that he'll enjoy to be able to spend some of that on something else. It'll be more profitable for him. So he came to me. He asked me. And I said, no. Then you know what he did? He seeked me, didn't he? He said, dad, my friend, dad, 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 dad. You know, he sought me. He persevered, and I said, "No, we're, no, I don't want. No, you're not going to get the game." But he kept at it, because you know, kids figured they can wear down their parents. Amen, amen. So he kept at it, and I said, "I said to him, Jacob, no." And I explained to him, "I think, I think if you'll wait, you'll find that by waiting and heeding my answer will be better for you." than to spend your money on this game now. And then finally he said, okay, this is what the Father's trying to tell you and I. Ask, seek, knock. That is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be in that relationship with the Lord where we keep on asking and keep on seeking and searching for that discernment, searching for that guidance, searching and asking for the things that we need for this life. But the Father in his holy presence and righteousness and everything that he is, he knows so much more that what we need. And you know what? Not only does he know, he wants to give us that good that he sees for our life. So sometimes we pray for one thing, God says, but this is better for you. Now, take your Bibles quickly. We're almost out of time to Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, we have Luke's rendition of this very same message that Christ is teaching. Same exact setup, okay? Luke chapter 11, let's, let's look at it together, beginning in verse 9. All right. You, you, you there? Verse 9? Okay. Again, here's what Jesus is saying. I say, excuse me, to you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Same, same Greek, same ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, and it will be given to you and all that. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds, and him that knocks, it will be opened. Do you see? Same same teaching, same story, same thing, right? Keep on going. Verse, verse 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that's a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Verse 13. Here it is. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children... How much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? These are the same teachings. In Matthew, he uses good things. In Luke, he uses the Holy Spirit. What's what's he saying to him? What's he saying to us? Here's what the Lord is saying. The point between the two stories, the two teachings of Christ here is that because God knows us, because God loves us, we never need to be afraid of the answers that he gives. You and I already have the Holy Spirit in our life. We don't pray to have the Holy Spirit. What we pray is for the gifts and the workings of the Holy Spirit in our life. We're going through difficult times. We ask, seek, and pray. And Lord, help me. God, remove this thorn. God says, no, Paul, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. My grace is enough. I will enable you. Any situation that we're in, anything that in life that happens, if we are in that abiding relationship with the Lord where we are asking, seeking, knocking, here's what God's going to do. He's going to answer your prayers according to his plan and purpose, and it will be good for you. This is what he's saying. Amen? Hey, we are not of the word of faith, people. We don't demand on God to do something. We humbly say, like Paul, I am your servant. Paul got saved, and he said, Jesus, what do you want me to do? He gave him his life. It is not about getting what we want. That prayer is some kind of a program that when employed, we get the answers and the results that we want. That prayer is a a machine that you put your, 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 your pound in, and then you get out a bottle of Coke. It's not that what the Lord is teaching is this, that we can trust God with everything. We can trust God with everything. When the future looks dark as a Christian, there's still light to our path as we seek God's direction. Use the word of God in our life. It's all there. Christian, you don't have to be in In confusion, you don't have to be, you know, dreading the tomorrow because if you will just abide in that relationship, God will take care of you. Amen? God will take care of you. Do you all know who Hudson Taylor is? Anybody? Hudson Taylor was a missionary, I think, what, China, honey? Hudson Taylor was a missionary into China in the 1800s. Hudson Taylor, to reach the Chinese people, he proper fella, suit and all that, you know what he did? He grew a ponytail. Did you know this, Renee? Hudson Taylor grew a ponytail, wore Chinese clothing, and acted like the Chinese culture so that he would reach the Chinese people. In 1886, the missionary Hudson Taylor was setting out to evangelize 11 provinces in China which had never been visited by a missionary before. People feared for him and his family, feared for their life. Many said, do not go. You're doing enough. Do not go into these other provinces. You're, you're You're going to cost your family greatly. Listen to what Hudson Taylor said. He says, I am taking my children with me. And I notice that it is not difficult for me to remember that the little ones will need breakfast in the morning. And then in the afternoon, midday, they will need dinner. And then before they go to bed at night, they will need, again, something else to eat. Indeed, I cannot forget it. Why? Because I am their father. And I find it impossible to suppose... That our Heavenly Father is less tender or mindful than I. I hope you get what that just said. You go out tomorrow, you leave this building tonight, whatever burden, whatever pain, whatever issue you bear, you just keep asking, you just keep seeking, and you just keep knocking. You do not leave the relationship that you have in Christ. And I promise you, not by me, but by the word of God, that you can trust your heavenly Father, that he'll do whatever is necessary and good for you. Amen? The final thought. Asking, seeking, and knocking, but you still yet hear an answer. This is what the Lord is teaching us about our faith. The idea of persistence is to be applied to our faith. We are to persist in our faith that God, in his perfect timing, will fulfill his word, and his word is saying, trust me. Christian, what I encourage you implore you to do, trust God, leave it with him, and live for him full stop. Father, bless your people tonight. Take your word to our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.